New Year. Still thinking about that, you know. You would expect that, wouldn't you, for me to think about the new year on January 9th? Still thinking about it. As a matter of fact, for me, the whole month of January, I'm thinking about, hey, you know what? It's a new year. It takes me longer, maybe than most, for things to sink in. But it's just continuing in my life. I find myself thinking about new beginnings. I find myself thinking about what could be. If I would just make a few adjustments. I don't know. Those things cross my mind. It it, it is a good time to make some adjustments, isn't it? Small adjustments. Maybe even a couple of big adjustments. I even have a sense of anticipation when it comes to a new year. And right now, January 9th, 2011, I anticipate some great things that are going to happen this year. You know why? Because every year of my life, something great has happened in a year. Some good, some not so good things have happened too, but I'm not going to focus on them today. Interestingly enough, some of what will happen to us this year is out of our control. Price of gas, for example. Stuff that is, there's lots of stuff that's going to happen this year that's out of our control. However, most everything else that happens this year in your life and mine is totally in our control. The decisions you make, the decisions I make, for the most part, you will determine what happens in your life in 2011. My question for us this morning is this. Will you be making those decisions with or without God? What do you think? Have you decided yet? Are you going to be making those decisions, every decision, small, medium, and large, with or without God? Will you be making those decisions on your own or seeking God's direction for your life in 2011? I believe this. One decision can change everything in 2011. One decision on January 9th can change everything in 2011. Why not make that decision today? Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, New Testament, second book in the New Testament, Gospel of Mark. This morning, I would like you to take a, just a quick journey through much of the book. We're just going to highlight some passages as we just kind of quickly go through the book of Mark. And I would simply like to point out to us on this second Sunday of the new year, people in the Gospel of Mark who made one decision and it changed their lives forever. Now we're going to go through this quickly, so, so hang on, fasten your seat belts. Here we go. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and following says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
Verse 19, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Verse 40, verse 40 says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that, gathered that there, so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing with him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get with, get with Jesus, excuse me, hopefully that clears up before the next Sunday. Some men came, starting at verse 3, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above him, above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 11 says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Verse 13 says, Once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. For chapter 5, verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 21 says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. While he was by the lake, one of the synagogue rulers named Jarius came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Verse 38 says, When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion. With people crying and wailing loudly, he went in, said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in with the child, where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Taltha kum, or whatever that is, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. Chapter 5, back at verse 27. Verse 27 says, When she heard about this, a sick lady, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt her body, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. On to chapter 7. 
Just a few more examples. Chapter 7, verse 25 says, As soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born a Syrian Phoenician. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out from her daughter. In verse 30 says, She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. Verse 25 says, Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. One more, chapter 9, verse 17 says, A man in the crowd A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive the spirit out, but they could not. Verse 21, How long has the boy been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. The deaf and dumb spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to to his feet, and he stood up. The people... All those people that we just read about were men and women, young and old, Jew and Gentile. But they had one thing in common. That one thing they had in common changed their lives forever. What was that decision that they made? They all decided to turn their hearts to turn their lives, to turn their attention toward Jesus. One decision made everything new. One decision changed everything. Perhaps you noticed a few things about their decisions as we read through those different different situations. The first thing about their decisions was that they made the decisions without hesitation. They said things like, at once, they left their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. There was no hesitation, at least it wasn't recorded. There is no hesitation when those folks turned their hearts, turned their lives toward Jesus. The second thing that they all had, that that they all did, is they made their decisions In a determined way. Their decisions were determined. Or there was determination in their decision. None of this, oh, I'm not quite sure yet. Or maybe another time. No, it was on purpose. They came to Jesus and they were determined that something was going to happen. No turning back. 
the sick woman, when she heard about Jesus, she came to him with determination and faith. And finally, their decision changed their lives. In every single case, their decision changed their lives. I used to be a fisher of fish, and now I fish for men. I was sick, and now I am well. I used to be demon-possessed, but now I have been set free. I was dead, but now I'm alive. One decision that changed everything. Their decision was to turn to Jesus with their heart and walk in His ways. To turn their life toward Jesus. I was thinking about you and me this week. I was wondering what it would be like around here if all of us, without hesitation and with determination, would choose to turn our hearts and lives toward Jesus in 2011 more than we ever have before. I was just thinking, Lord, what would it be like in this place at this time if these people all turned their hearts toward Jesus in a way that it would change everything? What would it be like? See, I'm not talking about the usual halfway approach that has gotten us in trouble over the years and in fact has gotten our world where it is today. Much of the reason that our world is the way it is today is the church has been half-hearted. You see, brothers and sisters, I can't do anything about those churches out there, but I have some influence in this one. You can't do anything about those churches out there. Pray for them. But you can do something about your life. You can make a decision in 2011 to follow Jesus more than you ever have before. Why not? I mean, if you aren't, how's that working out for you? Somebody want to testify how not following Jesus is really working out for you? I'm interested. Please, please stand up. Tell us, I dare you. You see, brothers and sisters, it's true. It works. It's God's plan. And this needs to get in here, and it'll change your life. You see, brothers and sisters, these people didn't hesitate. And there's going to be people here today that do again. No, 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 no. You see, what it takes is don't hesitate. And come to God determined that this time it's going to work. And that decision, brothers and sisters, (laughs) it'll change your life. It will change everything. See, what I'm talking about is doing this, laying your nets aside and following Christ. 
I'm talking about adjusting your priorities and changing the direction of your life in 2011. I'm talking about really, truly, transformationally turning your hearts toward Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. (laughs) You see, I am thoroughly convinced that if we would all do that, this would be, without a doubt, the best year spiritually this body of Christ has ever known in its history. And I am thoroughly convinced that if you turn your heart and life to Jesus more than you ever have before, I mean really without hesitation and determined to get through this time, that 2011 will absolutely be the best year spiritually you've ever had. You know what that means? It means that 2011 would be the best year of your life. If you make the right decisions. If you don't mind, I want to impose on you today. (laughs) I would like to give you a few suggestions about some decisions that you could make that would absolutely turn your life and turn your heart toward Jesus. Okay? Here's some decisions. Now, consider this as I talk about these decisions. Consider these decisions because I'm going to challenge you to make a decision at the end of the service. Okay? So get ready. If you're not into that, go ahead and leave now. Give you a minute. Okay. You're in for the duration, apparently. First thing that you can do this year in 2011 that will turn your life around. Now, okay, we're starting slow here. Is to attend church regularly. Now, I know there's people that do that aren't changed a bit. I know that. But you are, you, I am amazed. I'm amazed that here in Fort Wayne, it is unbelievable how many people I run into that are older folks that say to me, hey, 30 years ago, I used to attend your church. I said, oh, really? Where do you go now? Eh, nowhere. Your family, children going here? No, no, none of them. No, no, no. I am shocked. And how many people I talk to that say, I used to go to your church. And you know what the, the, the moral of the story is? The whole direction of their family is away from God now. So there's something that happens down at church. You know, churches aren't perfect. I know for a fact this one isn't because I'm the pastor. I know for a fact this church isn't perfect because you're sitting here. I know that. Have you ever heard somebody say this? You know what? I'm not interested in going to church because they're all a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard that? Well, you know what? They're right. We are. But one more isn't going to hurt us. So why don't you just come? It won't ruin us a bit. So just join us. Maybe you can help us. You can point out our hypocrisy and maybe the Lord will see the light and we'll change. You see, something special happens when you come to church regularly. 
Something special happens. You can find direction for your life down at the church. You can. If you come and you don't have a chip on your shoulder and you're paying attention. You can find life direction here at the church. You can find encouragement at church. Matter of fact, many of you have told me you do. You can find sweet fellowship at the church. You can even find Christ down at the church. Not the only place to find Christ, but it's a good place. You can grow in Christ down at the church. And here's one. At the church, your children, get this, your children have a chance to catch a word from the Lord that could change their lives down at the church. If you're a parent, and I've kind of made a pact with God that this year I'm going to tell people this when I meet them. If you're a parent and you don't bring your kids to church, you are just about making a decision to send them the other place. You are just about making the choice for your children not to follow Christ. And and I don't believe you have the right to make that decision. I mean, give your kids a chance. Give them a chance. At least drop them off at the door. Come pick them up at noon. At least do that. I'm going to be telling people all over Fort Wayne that this year. You know why? Because I meet too many people that say, I used to go to church, and now none of my family does. So I would say in 2011, if you're here, if you're here just for today and you didn't plan to come back tomorrow, attend church regularly here or somewhere in 2011. Here's a second decision that you can make that will change your life completely. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, we should be living it, not just saying it. And there's too many folks at the church, I'm talking about making some decisions in 2011, it'll change your life. There's too many folks at the church that are cultural Christians. You know, I'm hanging around, but they've never really accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Yeah, I'm talking to you that's been here for 30 years. Have you ever asked Jesus to forgive your sins? Lord, forgive me my sins. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? Have you ever out loud said, Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart? 2011 is your year. Maybe January 9th is your day. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door, the door of your heart, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Jesus is still saying to us, come, follow me. The question is, are you willing to lay down your nets, accept him, and follow Christ? Without hesitation and on purpose, A decision that will absolutely change your life. Pastor Chuck, we're all church people here. What are you talking about except Christ? The Jesus I know, if this many people had truly accepted him as their Lord and Savior, this would be a different place. This would be a different place. Accept Christ 
and live in Him. Isn't it time you stop trying to do things your way and you do things God's way? (laughs) Isn't it time to really give God an honest chance in your life? Come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you. (laughs) Here's another decision you can make this year that will absolutely change your life. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit. Newsflash, newsflash for God's people, newsflash. Are you ready? I gave you a chance to leave. Newsflash, you cannot be all that God wants you to be. You cannot be a full participant in God's promise of abundant life unless and until you've been filled with the Spirit. It's God's plan for His people. Why'd you stop? It's God's plan. Why aren't you seeking God to be filled with the Spirit? It's His plan. It's not my plan. not the Church of Nazarene's plan. It's God's plan. To be filled with the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the disciples were changed at the day of Pentecost. The disciples were different. They changed their world after they were filled with the Spirit. Why doesn't the church change the world today? Far too many people in it are not filled with the Spirit. Jesus said to his followers before he ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you and me. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait, guys, hang on, it's coming. Then you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and at that time you will be filled for service You will be fit for service in the kingdom. The main reason the church is powerless today is because its people are not filled with the Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. This year, in 2011, Lord, this year, as we're kind of going through January, Trying to say, what is possible? What could happen here in my life and in this body of Christ? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. Fill my heart. Fill this place. You see, brothers and sisters, one decision that you make this year could change everything. What is that decision for you? Where are you on your journey? Why not make that decision today? If you do, 2011, by the grace of God, will be the best year spiritually you've ever had, guaranteed. Attend church regularly. Pastor Chuck, come on. I'm too busy. I mean, once in a while, okay, but regularly, how can I fit church into my busy schedule? You know what I found out? That people can fit anything into their life that they think is important. Anything. How many of you watched the Colts game last night? That was awful late. It was awful late. Didn't you have other things to do? I well, we could fit that in. 
How many of you ever missed a tea time? <laughs> you know, you see, anything that's important to me, I can fit into my life. So, so this, this I'm too busy thing just doesn't cut it. Can you think of someone, anyone, or anything that's more important than God? If you can, write it on one of those white cards and turn it in. I'll be, I'll be anxious to read that this week. Anything or anyone that's more important than God? Then make it a priority to come visit them at least once a week, 2011. Except Jesus is your personal Savior. Pastor Chuck, I'm not ready yet. Not quite ready yet. Can I be honest with you? That makes me sick. That makes me sick. You are going to use that excuse until it's too late for you and your family. Today is the day of your salvation. Today. There is no good reason why you should, why you should not accept Jesus today. Does that, that make sense? Be filled with the Spirit. Oh, Pastor Chuck, makes me a little nervous. <laughs> Not sure what that's all about. That's all right. Of course it makes you nervous. We're talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit. Of course it makes you nervous. Seek Him. Trust Him. Receive Him. What decision do you need to make today? You. You. What decision do you need to make today? God is faithful. He will let you know, and He will provide a way for you to fulfill that decision, to make that decision in your life. One decision this year can change everything. Don't hesitate. By faith, be determined. It will change your life. I was reading an article just this week about habits or traits of highly successful people. I didn't mean to read the article just kind of came up on my, um, on my screen there, so I read it. And there's one thing that highly successful people all have in common. One thing it is they make decisions. They take action. Now, it might be the wrong action. It might fail, but they take it and learn from it and then make another decision. You see, folks, your 2011 can be the best year of your life ever if you make a decision. And follow through. When that happens, 2011 will be the best year spiritually you've ever had.